Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy, and I got Rojo. Oh, should we use a J as silent? <laughs> Rojo. <laughs> Red, right? Yeah, is that Rojo? Yeah, or in, in my near my hometown of uh, San Diego, California, there's a town called La Jolla. La Jolla. The J is silent, but whenever a tourist would come in town, they'd be like, hey, uh, how do we get to La Jolla? This is before GPS. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, La Jolla, huh? I'm like, okay, obviously you're not from around here. With your black socks and, and, your, and your sandals on Very at the same quick. time. Yeah. yeah, you can tell it's tourists. So <laughs> anyways, glad to have you with me again, Rojo. So today we got a, a cool topic that Rojo and I have talked about personally and privately a couple times, but I want to get in a little bit deeper with this. And uh, this is going to be specifically for all you men out there. Now, well, also moms too are going to be interested in this. But this is, in my opinion, one of the most unique relationships um, on the face of the planet. And it's specifically the most unique relationship in a family. Now, the relationship I'm referring to is the relationship between a father and his firstborn son. It's the same or well, very similar of the relationship, same in concept as a father and firstborn daughter. But today, as two guys, we're going to focus on the father-oldest son relationship and some nuances about that relationship, how... Okay, I'm not going to give you too much information because I want to make let it just kind of breathe a little <laughs> bit slowly, start with some basic stuff. Because uh, this can go in a lot of different directions. I've done this type of conversation on a couple different podcasts here on Light the Fight. On anywhere I've ever talked, it seems like this is one of the most requested things that people want to learn about because they hear a little bit about it, sparks their curiosity, sparks their interest. So um, I'm going to start off by saying the father-oldest son relationship is what I refer to. Now, I'm using a terminology from biology, but what I'm referring to is a symbiotic relationship. Now, our producer didn't know this, but he's going to Google the word symbiotic so we can have a literal definition of the word symbiotic. And then I'm going to share with you how that relationship is symbiotic in regards to a dad and his son. Man, I don't know what's going on. Someone must be talking about me somewhere. My nose cannot stop itching. Well, you ever I mean, hear that? <laughs> like when someone's talking about you, your nose like itching, itching, itching. So, well, I mean, what I say is that, that sim, sim, what is it again? Symbiotic. Symbiotic. That sounds like the Lion King, you know, the dad was like sitting there and was like, hey, Simba. This is the, this is the way, this is what you, you're going to cover. You know, it's like, don't go to that area though. Like, like yeah, everything that lights touches, this is what it, that's what it sounds like. So I'm excited to hear this. Oh, you, <laughs> you just use the reference that I'm about to refer to because Simba and ah. symbiotic, <laughs> oddly enough, I don't, I don't know if they meant to do it that way, but there's definitely a connection between those two. And the reference I'm going to use for men is the Lion King. So you actually run a point. So go ahead, Brandon. something. Or just give it to me real quick. <laughs> that way you don't have to read. Come on, don't be that guy, man. So we're going to start off, first of all, with the symbiotic definition and then symbiosis. You have the other symbiosis one up as well? Okay. All right. Symbiotic, involving interaction between two different organisms living in close physical association. So, for example, the fungi from symbiotic associations with the roots of plant species. I could have thought of a better one than that, but I get what they're trying to say. Denoting a mutually, here's another definition of it, denoting a mutually beneficial relationship between different people or groups. The reader can have a symbiotic relationship 
with the writer. Now let's talk about symbiosis. Symbiosis is a term describing any relationship or interaction between two dissimilar organisms. The specific kind of symbiosis depends on whether either or both organisms benefit from the relationship. Okay. So when I say a father and a son and a father and old son's relationship has a symbiotic relationship, it has a very specific type of symbiotic relationship. So in this case, they're two organisms that literally feed off each other or are dependent upon each other for survival. Some of you that are Star Wars fans, you may remember in Star Wars, um, what's the first one? Not the first in the order, but when Anakin's just a little boy. No, um, Phantom Menace, right? So in The Phantom Menace, they're going to, a little spoiler alert that came out 20 years ago. In The Phantom Menace, um, Qui-Gon Jinn and, uh, and Obi-Wan they're going to the island of Nobu. Well, while they're there, they meet this animal called a Gungan. And um, I forget his name. Uh, anyways, point is, I'm trying to get to a story. So they talk about it in Star Wars, I'm talk- what I'm referring to. So while they're in um, uh, visiting this planet, they come across these creatures who live underwater. They go and talk to these creatures, and they say, hey, listen, there's a war, there's something about to happen to your planet, and they're going to go after the Nobu people and they're going to attack the Nobu people. Well, these other people, the Gungans, are like, well, why do we care? You know, that's, they, they think they're so much smarter than us. And, you know, we don't care about them. Like, they don't care about us. We don't care about them. Well, he says, well, you have a symbiosis. You have a symbiotic relationship. What happens to them is going to affect you. Meaning, these invaders can't attack the Nobu without it affecting you, your environment, your culture. They're going to rip out your force. You know, it's going to destroy your planet. So it's ultimately going to affect you. So the reason why I use the word symbiotic and symbiosis when I'm talking about father-oldest-son relationship is because in that sense, they really are two organisms that are dependent upon each other for survival, and they live in close proximity, and what happens to one affects the other. Now, that can easily be said for a father and any of his children, but I found out that the relationship between a father and his oldest son, it's even, it's even a higher level of symbiosis. So the, the way I want to explain this is this is a way that it was explained to me by one of my psychology professors, and I really like the way he described this. Now, what he said was, when a father uh, finds out that he's about to be a dad for the first time, a lot starts to happen. Now, biologically, there's some things, typically dads will like, man, I, I guess better make some more money, right? I gotta get the house in order. You know, if, if this is a husband-wife relationship or a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, they're having a baby, and they just, you know, decide to stay together and, you know, that's what it is, especially in a marriage relationship, then what they do is the woman usually takes on certain roles that she'll start preparing the nest, so to speak. Like she starts like, hey, we need this, we need that. The dad, on the other hand, he starts preparing in, you know, in other ways. Not that they can't help out with some of the similar things, but a dad, one of the ways that the dad prepares, according to this professor that I had in graduate school, he said the dad is going to prepare when he finds out that he's having a boy, so as soon as the sex is identified, the dad instantly goes inside of his mind and he starts reliving his own life experiences as a boy himself. Now, much of this is subconscious, but the reason why I really like the way he described this is it helped me understand something that I'd never even thought about before because at the time I heard about this, I never really thought about a father and his oldest son relationship, but I could relate to watching my oldest brother and my father when he described this. So he went on to say, imagine the dad for that, um, what you find out about 15 weeks, he goes for the rest of the pregnancy that the mom is pregnant. The dad knows that he's having a son. 
So imagine the dad at that particular time. He starts thinking about his life. Starts thinking about the things that he wish he, he would have done differently in his life. Man, like, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have known that. So what the dad's doing is the dad is building all this information, getting this data together of what did I wish I would have done in my life differently so that I can share with my son and give my son an advantage in life. What are some things I learned in my life that were valuable, very important for me, and how can I share those with my son and so that I can give him an advantage as well, right? And also some fundamental things like, you know, for you, it'd be like exercise, athleticism, right? Mm -hmm. These are good team building things, you know, education, the things that you find really valuable and important. So dad's going to take the things that he found valuable and important, the things that he thinks his son would make him not just a good man, but also give him skills and attributes so that he can contribute to other people around him. And then he uploads all that information. But there's also something that dad also starts to reflect upon. The dad's insecurities, the dad's own personal weaknesses, the dad's personal blind spots. The things that the dad's like, man, I don't like this about myself. Now, I've never heard of a parent say, in this case, talking about a dad, that I want my son to be just like me, exactly mm-hmm. like me. Usually what I'll hear is parents say, I'll hear dad say, I want my son to be better than me. Why is that? Because we've learned a lot throughout our lives. We've learned that in a lot of situations, we should have done things differently. So if we give our kid that information and that kid can be better than me, then we actually, in and of ourselves, we've progressed. We've gotten better. Why learn information and then give it to someone else, not giving them all the good information? If we really love and care about that person, well, our posterity... Um, our son is going to live on throughout us. So our parents wanted to be better than their parents. Their parents want to be better than their parents. So each generation, they're trying to perfect ourselves. I don't think we'd have the world that we live in with this technology and this ability if fathers and sons, mothers and daughters weren't believing that they should make their kids better and they could make their kids better and they want their kids to be better than them. The problem with that starts to happen after birth, though. So he explained, he goes, so here's what happened. Fathers get all this information. They get all this data together. Like, okay, so here's what I need to do to make sure my son's all these great things and also learns from my mistakes so he doesn't have to have all the same mistakes so he can be better than me. It makes me look better. It makes the world better. He's going to be a better father, better friend, all these things, better athlete, whatever it may be that's important to the father. So then it comes down to the birth time. So the dad, he's in the hospital. He watches his son get born. It's an amazing experience, right? Like, oh, yeah. It, it's a trippy experience. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Now, everybody's birth experience is a little bit different. Some kids have to get rushed into the intensive care unit, so the dads don't really get to spend time with them. But let's look at just a typical birthing experience. The son comes out. They quickly check all the vitals, make sure the baby's healthy, cut the umbilical cord, boom, 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 wrap the baby up really close and really tight, and they put it on the mother's chest, ASAP rock, yes. like as quickly as possible. We'll talk about that in another podcast episode, but there's a reason why they put the baby on the mother's chest to bond for all those types of things. But at that particular moment, he said, the dad is looking at the baby. And for the first time in the life, in his life, the dad's looking at himself, but in another human's body. He identifies that's me, but it's not me. It's like, that's a part of me. And because it's the same gender, that is me but that's a pure version of me. That little baby has never disappointed anyone. 
never lost a job. In my case, you know, never failed a class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, n- never did anything bad to anyone. That is a perfect version of the dad in human form. Now it's pure, it's brand new, right? It's fresh. In that baby is every opportunity that dad, he can run it back. That dad gets to relive that experience. And so naturally, of course, the way I had it described to me is this, the dad's looking at like, oh, oh my gosh, like all my insecurities, all my flaws, all the things that I don't like about myself that I'm constantly beating myself up over. I can take a deep breath and be like, that's me, but perfect. The, the un, the un uh, broken version of me, that version of me has all the possibilities in the world. The dad likes that feeling. That's a good feeling. It's a fresh start. Sky's the limit. Subconsciously, the dad goes, wow, I never want that feeling to end. Okay. Again, this is subconsciously. How can I make sure that I always feel this good? Well, okay, what's going on here? My son's perfect. So if my son is perfect and stays perfect, meaning flawless, doesn't have a lot of issues, then that'll always give me rest, peace, and I'll always feel good about myself if I can keep them that pure and that whole. So dad comes up with a horrible plan. I'm just going to keep my son perfect. I'm going to make sure that he never doubts in himself like I do. He never has these, he's these addictions, these, these dependencies, these frustrations, angers. I'm going to make sure that I make him and turn him into a young man that's the 10,000% better version of me. In that moment, something magical and something unrealistic happens. The unrealistic part is you obviously can't keep that kid pure like that. Mm-hmm. He's eventually going to talk back. <laughs> He's eventually going to give you attitude and mm-hmm. sneak around and play video games when he wasn't allowed to. Mm-hmm. Not that that's ever happened with you. I'm just hypothetically speaking. Oh, it happened. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so at that moment, something great happens like, I want to work hard to be a better dad so that I could be there to make sure that he becomes a better version of me. But something, the, uh, the part that's not good is that how would your kid know how to be better and what not to do if you don't transfer that information to him? So the things that we want to protect our kids from as fathers are also the th- same things that we expose. But specifically with the firstborn son, we expose that to our firstborn son because that's the first experience we've ever had of another human being that's us. So the firstborn son, oh, they get all of the good and they get all of the bad. What they get is you can't act like that because people are going to think you're weak. You got to act this way instead. Well, the son a lot of times wouldn't even know that he wasn't supposed to act a certain way. Normally, he would just kind of be figuring things out for himself. But the dad's like, no, 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 no. That's going to make you look bad. People are going to disrespect you. You can't be treated that way. Now, in one sense, that's good because the dad's teaching him how to be a certain way. But on the other side, it also could be transferring the dad's insecurities, fears, and worries that the dad hasn't faced himself. So here's where the symbiotic nature really starts to take another level. The dad and the son share energy. So the son's looking at the dad going, this is, my, this is my mirror. There's no closer relationship on this planet than you to Aiden and Aiden to you, Aiden being his son. Because that's the first version of you you've ever seen in a male form. And you're the first male he's ever seen and the male that he sees the most. 
So he's constantly looking at you to know if he's okay. And you're constantly looking at him and his behavior and what he's doing to know if you're doing okay Mm -hmm. as a dad. And if something's off with him, it's like, if you know parents, there's nothing more frustrating. You may be pissed off and frustrated yourself, but when your same sex child, your firstborn child, if they're not lying, if they're not doing the things, or if they're reminding you too much of yourself, you're like, oh man, it's like, oh, it just drives you crazy because you're like, I didn't work all my life so hard just for you to be just like me when I was dumb. (laughs) I want you to be better than me, right? And so this transference happens. So I hear it from oldest sons all the time. And by the way, this is how um, it transfers into therapy. I, don't, I, I couldn't believe this at first until I started talking to some of my mentors, my supervisors, but they go, oh yeah, this is a real thing. I found out that eight out of 10 of the young men that I was counseling, sometimes it was nine, were the firstborn son of their family. And a lot of people have heard, oh, the oldest child of family, they're the experiment, they're this and that. Well, come to find out, I found out it was, it was less about them being the oldest child. That was part of it, but more about their same-sex partnership and relationship with their father or if it's a girl with their mother. So as I started looking at uh, family systems, you know, what I studied in psychology, they started giving labels to every single child in the family. You know, the youngest child's a comedian. You know, the, the youngest child, the one's kind of, you know, kind of like, just more like, kind of like, free spirit yeah, almost. free spirit, yeah. or just kind of like gets away with stuff because they're just, they're just seeing the family stressed out. They're just, they're comedy relief. Sometimes they're not always the funniest person, but they're just doing wild stuff, whatever. They're just doing whatever to kind of entertain the family. They go through all the different uh, labels that they give uh, the birth orders because birth, birth orders have always been important throughout our history, right? Heck yeah. But when it comes to the oldest son, I remember my professor in college, it was the same professor. He goes, but the oldest son or the oldest daughter, oldest son, there they have two labels. I remember listening going, two labels? Well, everybody else just had one. They said the oldest son, because we're talking about oldest son in this situation, is either the hero or the black sheep. And I was like, well, those are opposite of each other. So what do you mean the hero of the black sheep? But he said, ultimately, you can really see them. They're one and the same. But they could be, they could look like the hero or they could look like the black sheep. And he went on to explain. The oldest son, he's looking at his family. He's looking at his dad. Let's say it's a traditional mother and father relationship. The oldest son comes in. The oldest son's been around the dad longer than anyone else. All the other siblings that are born afterwards, they may have got dad when he was not as stressed out, when he wasn't going through all the crazy stuff he's going through in the earlier parts of his life, career, relationship. So sometimes the, the older, the, the younger kids are more likely to get a more mature, evolved version of the father. Mm-hmm. But that firstborn son, he's been with the dad since day one, right? So that son, he's viewing the dad and seeing his stress and struggles as, he, as he's from like two to like preteen, he just like, okay, dad, okay. Like he's kind of listening. He's kind of seeing what's going on. But then he starts to notice, man, dad's off in this way. Dad's this, dad's that. So his survival and his well-being is based upon him vibing with his dad. Because if dad's in a bad place, he's like, oh, dang it. Now dad's pissed off. Now dad's bad mood. Now my good day's gone, right? He doesn't get a chance to feel those feelings because dad and him are so connected. It's just, I, I call it like emotional Siamese twins. Yeah, you can feel it. There's a unique connection between the two of them. And so when he said the, the hero and the black sheep, he went on to talk about, he goes, the son is really supposed to be the hero. He's supposed to save the family, supposed to save the dad. And at the end of the day, in a mother-father relationship, the mom and dad could have a great relationship. They could love each other. They could be amazing partners. And at the end of the day, the mom will not be a dad or will not be a male one day in her life. Only the oldest son really knows what it's like to be the dad. So the dad's transferred all those 
hopes, dreams, and also fears, worries, and anxieties. So if you look throughout the history of, of the world, who's always been the rightful heir to the throne in a kingdom? The, the, the firstborn male. The firstborn male. Yeah. Firstborn son, right? Mm-hmm. In a kingdom and a queendom, it could be the firstborn be, daughter, yeah. right? So firstborn son. Well, then he went on to describe the black sheep. He said the black sheep is actually the oldest son in this situation. He sees that there's problems in the family, sees that dad's struggling. Dad's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Dad is struggling in this area. So the oldest son's like, man, I'm going to try to do what I can. But if the dad doesn't listen, maybe the dad's not in a good place. or Maybe the dad's too stressed and frustrated. Then the oldest son's like, no, nah, man, I'm not going to do that. The oldest son will go the opposite direction. I can't tell you, Rojo, I've had so many times where I had a CEO, a high net worth earning male. And then I come and see the son, the son sees me as, as counselor. The son's like a stoner, pothead kid, skater kid. What do you want to do? I want to be a yoga instructor. And the dad's like, no, like no son of mine's going to be some average male. You got to be a beast. You got to be this. And the son's like, I'm just, you know, just like, I just want to be chill with people. Like and so the dad's losing mind, not knowing that so much what the son has been doing is in a reaction to what the dad doesn't do or does too much of. Mm-hmm. So I talked to a lot of older sons and they'll be like, hey, I respect my dad in these categories. But in this area, my dad's got a serious kryptonite. My dad is too angry, too upset. So for example, uh, a high school basketball player I was, co- I was counseling and coaching with a long time ago, his dad, really intense, really aggressive, like really overbearing. So this kid was like that kid that when he played basketball, not aggressive at all, natural athlete, he would just let the game come to him. He'd pass it instead of shoot it. The dad's like, take the shot, take the shot. He was like, no, nah, man, I want to get the ball to all my teammates. The dad's like, you're never going to scholarship. You're never going to be this. And the kid was like, I'm never going to be like you, dad. See, what the dad didn't realize until in therapy and counseling is the kid was reacting to the dad's overreaction. So the dad was in people's face. He'd fight and argue with people. And the kid was like, that looks pretty stressful to be like that. I respect you in all these other areas, dad, but I think you're wrong when you yell at my coach when I'm on the floor, when you get involved in situations that don't need you to be involved. So the son was like the complete opposite of that. But the son found out one day, I do need to be more aggressive on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. I do need to show that side of me. But the son confessed to me, he goes, I'm scared if I let that side of me out, I'm going to look just like my dad. And I'm embarrassed of my dad when he screams from the bleachers, when he's running on the court and yelling at me and stuff like that. So the son found out that being the opposite of the dad was a reaction to the dad being too much in one other area, think he could balance the dad out. Through counseling, through therapy, what we realized, what the son came to conclusion is that that's not how he finds out who he is. Because if you're doing the opposite of something that you think someone is doing that's wrong or bad, you're not choosing what you want to do. You're actually just reacting to what they're doing. So then the son started to learn, hey, man, if I'm going to get a D1 scholarship, I got to let the beast out of the cage. I can't be so passive on the floor because the son would like avoid contact. And then he goes, okay, I'm going to be more aggressive, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to be overly aggressive. The son found center, became a great D1 basketball player. It was, it was a great story. But what they had to figure out was that we want to find where's the right, like, you don't want your pores to be too hot. You don't want to be too cold. You want to be just right. So the dad, guess what he was being like? He was being like his dad or the opposite of his dad. His dad was too passive. His dad, so the grandfather, like, was just like, oh, you know, like, 
just super like easy going. The, the, the grandmother ran the house. The grandfather just sat around. She made all the money. He didn't do anything. So the old, by the way, this is multiple. So the grandfather, the son was the oldest son. Then I'm counseling the grandson. So the grandfather, more of like a, what you consider a beta male, right? The woman ran the household. He just, you know, she made more money, stuff like that. So then the firstborn son was like, oh, heck no. My dad's not happy. He's struggling. So I'm going to be the uber aggressive alpha male. Problem is that was just his reaction to that. Then the grandson, the one who I was counseling was like, well, I'm going to be the opposite of my dad because my dad's too intense. Once the son, the kid I was counseling found out that the middle is closer to what works best. The father was even like, you're so right. I was reacting to what my dad wasn't doing. My son's reacting to what I'm doing too much of. We had to figure out what was right in the middle. In that moment, the mom was like, this makes so much sense because the mom was mad at the dad for always being aggressive. She was mad at the son for not being aggressive enough. Right? It was just one of these things like, and so once a family system happened and it created that natural balance, Guess what happened to the rest of the family? The mom and the dad's relationship got better. The relationship with the son and the mom got better. The relationship with the son and the dad got better. In This is going back to Lion King now. Disney, and I say this every time I talk about this, Disney has made billions of dollars off the father-oldest-son relationship oh, yeah. and the, fa- the mother-oldest-daughter mother relationship. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Lion King was the first big one, right? Simba, look at the arc of that story. It talks about the son, the dad's the mighty king, right? If you've seen Lion King recently, if you haven't, go back and watch this. Why, does, why did that, mo- that movie make so much money? Because we could all relate to that movie. Mm-hmm. We could all relate. It's like this son was like, I'll never own up. I'll never live with my dad. The uncle Scar was like, see, you killed your dad and this, that. And the son was like, fine, I'm going to abandon being the king. I'm going to go off on my own. You know, another movie series that made billions of dollars off the same concept, the same arc? Lord of the Rings. Really? Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is the last movie. Aragon, in the first movie, he was a ranger. He was supposed to be the king. He ran away. Turns out his dad didn't throw the ring inside, inside the volcano because he became selfish, and so he put it on. The son was so scared that he was going to be like that guy. He goes, I don't even want to be in a powerful position. I don't want power. Huh. So he abandoned it. Now, the last movie, come back, spoiler alert, again, 20 years later. Okay, <laughs> comes back and the last one was like, no one knew how to run the kingdom better than the firstborn son. So now let's look at the Chinese culture, Native American culture. If you look at the history, because I did a lot of research about this. If you look at the history of all these different people throughout the world that didn't even know about those other civilizations, they all did the same thing. They all would take the firstborn son and give him that mantle. If like, for example, um, in Greek and Roman times, if, a, if the king had three wives, the firstborn son dies in battle. Is the nextborn son the, the next in line or is the firstborn son from the second wife? I'll tell you who it was. The firstborn son from the second yeah. wife. Why were they always choosing the firstborn son? In Hebrew, I found out a cool, interesting, while I was doing this research, found a cool, interesting fact in Hebrew. Now, this is not, I'm not trying to be religious per se, but this is just an interesting fact. They talk about Jesus Christ was the only begotten son of God. Now, I found out through doing a little research that only begotten is a direct translation in Hebrew for a phrase that they would only use for the father-oldest son relationship. And the phrase meant a unique relationship. Hmm. 
So think about it. our culture, the, the father, oldest son relationship has always been, right? I was watching the movie. What's the movie where the girl got her, uh, her arm bitten off by the shark? I know Bethany Hamilton's her name, but it was uh, Soul Surfer. Oh, you ever okay. seen that where your arm got bit off? I seen, I seen a preview. Of As the movie's yeah. going on, if you watch that movie again, the movie's going on, and in the background, there's a side story. The oldest son and the dad are fighting the whole entire movie. Something about them's going on. I'm sitting there in counseling going, why are eight, nine out of ten boys I'm working with their oldest son? And there was this thing going on. So what I started to do is I changed, started to change my therapy. And I started to look at it as like, once I understand the, the son, once I understand the dad, I need to start putting them together. It has been so successful throughout these years having fathers and their oldest son. Because not only that, what does every dad want the oldest son to be for the other kids? An, a example, leader, an example. A leader. Uh, right? Model. It's like, you better help out a your sibling. Be a role yeah. model. Exactly, right? So when the oldest son's slacking, the dad's like, dude, you're killing me, bro. Because the oldest son-father relationship, the way I see it, it's more like a best friend relationship, but one of them was born to the other. Mm -hmm. Think about what happens with best friends. You're not going to get more upset with anyone than you would your best friend if they stabbed you in the back. If someone, if someone lied about you, they said some lies about you, did you dirty, you'd be mad. But if it's someone you didn't, weren't that close with, uh, you don't really care. But if it's your best friend, it lasts for years. The best friend knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows where all your dirt's at. That's where best friends, they have this thing like, hey man, like I got dirt on you, you got dirt on me. Let's like, we got each other's back. You, you've, you've gone through so much hurt, pain and together. So when someone of a, that close of a relationship does something, it hurts you a lot. So I'm talking to lots of counselors. I mean, I'm talking to lots of fathers and they break down, open up to me like, it's true. When my son, when my oldest son is struggling, it, it just, it, it ties me up in a, in a different type of knot. Sometimes the dads I'm talking to, they were the oldest son. And they're like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. Or they'll say, I saw my oldest brother when my dad passed away. It messed with him differently. Like something, now it's all on him. One of my best friends, Cisco, shout out to my boy Cisco. His dad was shot in, in Hawaii. Uh, it was, he was a taxi driver. Guy wouldn't give him the money. The dad and the guy got into a tussle. Guy pulled out a gun, shot him. So my friend had to become the big brother and the dad, or he was the big brother, had to become the dad instantly, 10 years old. He's taking care of his mom, stuff like that. He's not the same because of that. Now, I think he's a better man because of that, but it put him in a very interesting situation. So all dads know, if something happens to me, you're looking at your 10-year-old son's like, you think you're 10 years old, you think this is going, like everything's fun and games, you're playing video games, but our ancestors, if I go to war and you die, it's on you, son. So the fathers, we put this anxiety and the stress on our sons, not to just want to be better, but also to prepare them. I may not always be here. The mm -hmm. hardest relationship I've had in my life, and I don't mean hard like contentious, but like hardest for me personally, is the one I feared the most when I had a firstborn son. Before my son, Tavita, you know Tavita, mm -hmm. before he was born, for about five, six months, I was having constant anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night. I was tripping and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I finally figured out, I didn't even know who my biological dad was because at this time I hadn't met my biological dad yet. I met him just like five, six years ago. And Tavita's eight years old. And I was like really stressed and something inside of me was wrong. And then it came to me one day, I do these support groups called Quit Trip and Support Groups for Kids. And I was there talking to these kids and it just hit me. I don't know who my dad is. I'm the firstborn son, but I was raised as the youngest child in my adopted family by my grandmother. So I don't know who my dad is. All these teenagers always tell me, oh, you'd be a great dad. You're going to be a great dad. They're giving me compliments. Oh, your son's going to love you. 
man, I wish I had a dad like that. And in my mind, I had this interesting thought. It said, but what if you're a horrible dad? <laughs> Cause you don't even you don't know, know who your dad is. Like what, if, like, what if you don't know how to be a dad? What if everybody says you're going to be great and you actually suck? What if your insecurity is going to come to the surface and you're going to transfer all those on your son? So everything I know about this subject, I'm just telling you guys, I was scared that even with all this knowledge, where's going to be my excuse if I'm a bad dad? I'm the last person to be a bad dad. So when my son was born, ever since then, you know, I've, I've been trying to figure out how to do this and I've, I've done it miserably. I'm like, okay, I don't want him to be a football. I don't want to be obsessed with sports and football because for me, it gave me too big of an ego. So I'm not going to push him into any sports whatsoever. And then he just didn't want to do sports. I'm like, wait, oh, but I thought you just naturally wanted to do sports if I didn't push you into them. And I would almost like not expose him to sports, hoping that if he liked him, you know, it was on his own, but I'm not forcing him to like him. Turns out he didn't even show interest until he started working with you, Rojo. Mm -hmm. Like this, this guy right here was the reason why my son started to even show interest in sports. Just this past year, he started playing basketball and football. Before then, he was like, I'll build Legos, I'll play with cars. Like, dude, and I was like, wait a second. You couldn't stop me from playing sports at three years old. I was obsessed with sports, right? And I'm going, wait, whose son is this? Why does my son not? And then I started getting butthurt and taking it personal. This was the interesting thing. If he didn't like sports, I thought he didn't like Because when I try in the last two years, okay, you want to play catch with me? No. All right. You want, you want to shoot hoop with me? No. You want to surf? You want to skateboard? No, 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 no. I was like, he'd do everything my wife asked him to do. But if I asked him to do it, he wouldn't do nothing that I asked him to do. So you know what started happening to me? I started getting butthurt. I'm like, fine, well then, I don't want to hang out with you either. <laughs> well, the truth was I was dying inside. I'm like, why does my son not like me? I thought something was wrong with me. Man, this brought up all my daddy issues. This brought up stuff I'd never dealt with before. And it wasn't until my wife had a conversation with me about a year and a half ago and something happened to my son two years ago that I realized, I'm like, I can't be scared. I, I, I got to be more real with him. Like, I got to tell him certain things that like, hey, son, this actually hurts my feelings that you don't want to play catch with me. Then my wife starts saying, hey, dad just wanted to connect you and hang out and spend time with you. Little did I know, my son started to open up with me. He found out that my brothers played in the NFL. I played football at University of Utah. He started opening up talking to me and saying, dad, I just, I was scared that I wasn't going to be as good as you. So I didn't want to do those things because I, I don't want to disappoint you. Oh my gosh. I tell you guys, I'm like, he's eight years old and he's scared of disappointing me. He's scared that he can't live up to me. And I thought he didn't want to be like me. I thought he was just being disrespectful. <laughs> I thought he was like, man, forget you, dad. And like, of course, he always wanted to hang out with mom. Mom asked him to do something. And my wife's like, she could be hard on him. If I even raise my voice a little bit, it's like, but I didn't realize my wife's 5'2". I'm six foot, right? I didn't realize that my wife, he was used to mom get mad at him because she's like, eat your food, put your dish away. So he's used to mom all the time. So she could be hard on My wife could coach him in sports. He's like, Roger that, mom. He'll do whatever my wife says. I'm like, why didn't you make your hands like a diamond catching football? He's like, I don't want to play no more. I'm like, oh, shoot. I can't even ask the freaking kid a question <laughs> without him getting pissed off. But I realize, and then I'm going to shut up and have you comment on this for a moment. He was feeling something from me. I didn't know I was transferring on him. I'm like, son, I don't want you to be like me. I'm so, I'm so ashamed and so embarrassed of so many things about my life that I was in this time of my life. I thought at this age of my life, I'd have more money. I'd be more successful. And in my mind, I'm like, I was transferring all those things onto my son. 
and he was feeling it. And so he was trying to push himself away from me because he could sense that by me not wanting him to play sports was my way of saying, I don't want him to be like me. And in his mind, it's like, okay, you don't want me to be like you, but I am like you, dad. Mm -hmm. It was really confusing. So I know I just said a lot. I want to hear some Rojo's feedback because obviously, you know, he's got an older son. He and I have had some conversations, but I've never really laid it out like this before. So what were some of the things that came to your mind and just some thoughts, maybe even some questions you might have? Well, I mean, um, first off, thanks for sharing. I mean, like that's some, that, that's some good information because it, it comes full circle. It make you, it make you wonder about things because just, just two nights ago and um, me and me and cash, we were just talking about that's our producer. I call him Brent is cash. Okay. <laughs> Sounds better. But um, no, me and cash was literally just having a conversation. I was having a little meeting with me, him and our group, you know, Jason and Kenneth Scott. You know, we had our little meeting. Our and, o, uh, the OG our, speakers our OG, group. Yep. Yep. Our, our OG therapy of speaking. And we were just getting together, kind of having just, just talking, you know, just talking. And um, like I said, two days ago, I literally was having that same thought that you was having as I'm sitting there watching, I was watching the game. I was watching the Lakers game. Um, I'm not a Lakers fan like that, but I was watching the Lakers game. I just, I watched. <laughs> yeah, to throw that I, out I, there. Yeah, yeah because, because people are like, oh, you're a big Lakers fan. It's like, no, I'm an hey, L- I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. I'm, I'm an LA fan. Yeah, I love LA all fan. my, I love all my LA go. teams. And I was just sitting there watching the game. And Aiden, my oldest son, Aiden, was just like, okay, I'm just going to grab a book. I'm like, bro, like the game is all like, this is like. This is our bond quarter. time. Like this is a fourth quarter. Like it's going yeah. down. You know, you need to. Need to watch it, and he just like, no, I'm gonna read a book, and I just was like, what the hell, and like my mind started to like race, like you was just saying, my mind started to go in of like, like man, at that age, I was like, what was I doing in the fifth grade? It's like I'm, I was balling, you know, like I was, you know, making sure I did this and do if that. If someone had said read a book or watch a game, yeah, you'd be like, that's not a choice. Like, I'm no, watching the game. Yeah, I'm watching the game. I'm, I'm like, I'm out trying to practice what I just seen on TV. I'm out yes. like, like got the ball, like I'm about to go do this, and like. Oh, it's a football game. Okay, I'm gonna be stiff on. I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm gonna do my celebration, my yeah. dance celebration. You know, things like that. And then I had to really even take a step back farther with the thoughts of like, okay, like what made me, what made me love sports. And then I had to really think about that as well. Like, as in, why isn't my son loving sports the way that I love sports? And it's like, what made me go do sports? And it's like, like I don't even remember none of my coaches. Like from like, I remember their faces, but I had a hard time remembering coaches. But was I doing it for my friend? Was I doing it because I really loved it, or was I doing it to get out the house? Like, was I doing it for my brothers? It made me have go those, inside your own head and yeah, reflect. I had to like, as I'm watching the game and trying to focus on the good game, I'm yeah. like, my mind was just racing of what was happening. I was just telling Cash and everybody about it, our OG therapy. Um, about like, dude, that made me think like, what was going on at that age that my oldest don't like sports like that like he has the gene he has that special he has that that it yeah but he's not willing to work hard and grind it out the way that i was so to hear this this is kind of why like it it makes a lot of sense and it like all goes together like if you if you're looking at it because i'm listening from y'all perspective as well because this is my first time hearing it and it's like wow like i love sports my son don't like sports but he's good at it and then it makes me feel like it's that battle, like you were just mentioning, of, you know, like. You're giving uh, him opportunities to be great at it that but, you never had. Yeah, I never but had, he but doesn't he, have the same interest Exactly. You yeah. And it may seem like exactly what you yeah. just was mentioning, how like, how like a father was probably super aggressive. So then that next, that oldest son in line, I'm not going to be aggressive like my dad. And then it then it transferred because he's not aggressive. Then he has a kid. All of a sudden, he's not aggressive. And then the kid, his oldest is like, 
well, I'm going to be aggressive. See, so it makes me wonder, like, with me and my son dynamic relationship of like, I know that he's good at it. I have watched him do things that a normal 11 year old or a 10 year old, nine year old, eight year old, because I've watched him. It's yeah. my son. I have seen him do things. I'm like, okay, he got it. But then I've seen him do some cut corners, do some things just like, bro, what the, what the hell? <laughs> I didn't teach you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you doing? You know? So, yeah. so to hear this, to hear this, this, this part of why, why is it like that? It makes sense. And like feelings, like when Aiden don't do as good at school, it affects me. It affects me. And I don't know why it affects me so deep. And then when he does good, I feel like that damn rainbow, just like, okay, boom. He just shot a rainbow like out of his brain saying, hey, dad, I did so good at school. And then the teachers are telling me he's doing good. All of a sudden. He got like student of the month or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so he posted, yeah. yeah. And guess what? That, that November was one of the best months that I had like that year. And I'm saying like comparing it to every other thing. Yeah. But hearing that, it like. It made you out. feel yeah, like something like, inside it, you it was like better. It smoothed out so much more stuff. It was like student of the month, boom, that rainbow. That rainbow was student of the month. So you know what? I jumped on that rainbow and just was like, we're good. So all those problems that I was going through, it was like, we're good. Like, he's good. I'm good. You know? Well, let, let's <laughs> pretend for a moment. This is not, you heard the disclaimer. It's not real therapy. Let's pretend that I'm giving a therapeutic suggestion to see something a little bit differently. Is there a possibility? Just, just think if there's a possibility. Your son saw the stress and the hard work and everything that football puts you through at early stages of your life, of his life. I'm not talking about the benefits it gave you. I'm not talking about the money, I'm not talking about the accolades, but when someone's sitting, feeling energy off a man and that man, cause let's face it, NFL is not stressed less, mm -hmm. stressful, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's watching that and he's seeing like, ah, oh, football, this and that, like that constant Maybe, and I don't know the details, but maybe relationships in your life weren't great during those times when he was growing up. Maybe there's just this pool, like this awe, oh, this thing going on. He didn't see you playing Little League Pop Warner football when you were a mm -hmm. kid. He didn't see that, that side of it. He didn't see that side of the game. Maybe in his life, he's only saw the stress that it's given. He caught the he caught the highest level of 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 stress, highest level of sports. Now, now before but, you say any more, now imagine that. Like what I just said, if you want your son to be better than you, and this is really, let's say this really is a symbiotic relationship like I talked about, and he was feeling that, would it make sense that if he wants to be better than you, that he'd be like, yeah, I want to sign up for the exact same thing that stresses my dad out? Or would it make more sense in an evolutionary standpoint that maybe I could balance things out by not being so like, like, so like, I have to be great at this thing. I have to be doing this thing. Now, this is all subconscious I'm talking about because yeah. he's too young he's to do this. Young, yeah, but I've but... seen this happen so many times where kids were like, look at me. The only reason why I could have this conversation I said with, that I had with my eight-year-old is because I do this for a living. So I was asking the questions and then when it got time to the point where he realized I could handle the answer, he started answering the questions like an actual client of mine that was like, yeah, dad, I just, I don't know, man. Like, he, I just felt that this, he didn't, you didn't think I was going to be good enough for this and that. Or, and I was like, I wasn't saying that, but apparently he got some energy from me, even though I was trying to not show it. Mm -hmm. This is the very interesting thing about this relationship. And that's all I just wanted you to think about. Just consider that there's a possibility that now there may be many variables, but there might be a possibility that a percentage of what he's doing is not that he doesn't like sports, not that he doesn't 
like see it as like, oh, I'm good at because you think like, hey, if he's good at it, why wouldn't he want to do it all the time? But maybe he has a self-confidence that you didn't have at that age. Maybe he's good at multiple things. Yes, yes. Maybe there's and talents that you didn't have and opportunities you didn't have. See, and I take that all in, what you said. Like, that question is a really good question I ask myself a lot. And when him being young, you know, I don't think he really understood that level, that, yeah. that, that, that big level. But I think he's starting to fully get it now because he knows that. He knows that I miss it. He knows that I miss, yeah. I miss football. And the stress of life, like, like he, I have talked to him about this where it's just like, Football or sports in general, but knowing that football was the highest level, I'll say football. Football really did balance me out. Yeah. It leveled me. You it, had a structured it, discipline every day. You go yeah, to practice, it, you do this. It leveled me. Yeah. It made me it, it, it did it did push me to the point of like I have football as the main as the main part of this balance and everything else that's in my life was there. And then now it's like that football is gone. It's 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 the stress is getting there. And well, I think he's starting to He's starting to feel it and starting to see it as well because it's like, yeah, it's, it's like dad ain't, it's not dad ain't Superman, but missing football. The look on your face is it. different sometimes. Yeah, he's starting to, he's starting to see it. So that stress is kicking in. So it's very, it's a very big possibility that he's like, I don't want to go into sports because I don't want to be the way that my dad is right now, yeah, where it seems like it's something that's missing because I do feel like something is missing and it's not. It has nothing to do with him. He yeah, knows that. But like, he's, he's but, sharing your energy. He can feel Yeah, he can feel it. He can feel it. So, so that's one thing I didn't add in there is that the oldest son feels the energy, the stress and worries of the fathers, but doesn't understand, but doesn't understand why it. it's there. What, yes. What's causing he, it. He don't fully he just understand feels it. it. Yeah. And I think that's why like, I mentioned it to him. And I think he's starting to fully get it at, at 11 years old. He's starting to really like, take it all in of like, you know, when dad, is playing, when dad was playing sports, he was a little bit different. And it's like now it's something that's not there. It's the sports factor. He's catching that's not you in that there. transition time as he's recognizing what's going as, on. As he's starting, time. To, yes, like fully, fully, well, he's starting to get it now. Like as in the transition. That's the biggest thing. The transition of like, okay, I got to be a full time dad. I've been a full time dad for you since you was a year and a half. It's always been you and me. It's always been you and me. I always figure things out. As parents, you understand how the things that you go through. You try to you try to shield it from your kids. You know, you just naturally try to shield it. But when you have that one-on-one relationship, like we was mentioned with the older, with your older kid, a lot of times your older kid, your older child is that role model for the next child that's in line if you have extra if you have extra kids. Oh. And like Aiden is the big brother. Yeah. And I'm trying to like push him to be, you gotta be a good big brother, big, big brother. But then at the end of the day, I gotta be a, a good, a good dad. Yeah. So how about this? The transition from men, we'll use football as the example, from NFL football players, they are done with the game. Even if they played for a long time, they got to choose to lose, end it. Because most guys don't get to choose the day they retire, right? No, no, no. You get lucky <laughs> you know, with that. I, I, when some guys are like, yeah, I'm going to retire. It's like, really? Is that what's happening? Or maybe they just didn't pick you back up. A couple months it's in, a harsh you, reality, yeah, a couple right? Months in, it's ready a cold, to get back out yeah. there. So how many men will... I'm assuming all of them, when they're done with the game, even if they have other lines of income set up, even if they have other things going on, that's a loss of a huge identity of their whole entire life. They didn't start playing football two years ago. They started playing when they were a little kid, right? It's a, it's now, a big ass hole. That transition heart. hole, right? Yeah. Whole heart, mind. You got to reinvent yourself, figure out who it is. Many men don't come back well from that. Now let's look at college. Same thing. Now let's look at high school. 
I imagine there's a lot of men in this country that if you knew them as a sophomore in high school and they're the senior, they're the star football player, they had all these accolades, great shape, stuff like that. Now you go back to your high school reunion, they're fat, out of shape. You know, they don't look like half the person they used to be. Maybe they drink too much. I think that's a classic story of the superstar athlete that became a different person, not in good ways. Right now, some people transition it and they take that and they run with it into other aspects of life. But I think the more common thing is that's a hard transition. Not every guy gets out of that. So now we're going through that as men. And as we're going through that as men, we have our kids. They're watching us, specifically the oldest sons, going, dad don't look happy. This thing doesn't seem to be, this thing is a connection to why he's not happy. For some kids, it could be their dad being a business owner. Ooh, that's real. I've seen a lot of dads that are intense business owners. And the kids are like, yeah, I think I want to just be a yoga instructor. I want to be a preschool teacher. (laughs) I don't know if I want that smoke. Because that's stressful. But one of of the biggest questions that I'll ask you and... This this we might this might have to lean to something more. Because, oh, we're gonna do two yeah, episodes yeah, might, on this. We, this is gonna be a cliffhanger. We're gonna stop this. Be, this yeah. There's gonna be a second episode. Yeah, Remember we talked about this yeah. part two, yeah. Because because I'll use me as the example because this is real. So when you grew up in a household where you're not the oldest child, but your father was murdered, and your mom take care of the rest, that's that's one variable. And then the next variable is you have your son. And you don't find out about your son until two weeks after he was born. You don't get that months that we were just talking yeah. about as in like you're training your mind of like, okay, I'm about to have a boy. You know, I'm about to, okay, let me try to do this and do that. It's like, snap of the finger. You're a father now. And it's like, the baby's already here. Those are two things that kind of happen so fast and it happens so like unexpectedly. It happens. You didn't have a father watch your whole the- life. I didn't know yeah, what so a father was supposed to be yeah, like. So, and I wasn't the oldest. So then it happens to be that my oldest became the father figure. You know, he became the one that's like, hey, we're going we gonna to model from you. You know, we're going to model from you. And he took that stress and took all the things that, can, that comes with being the oldest. Yeah. But then I turn around and it's like, okay, boom, eight and two weeks. At, he's already out two weeks. That's your son. And it's like, okay, now I got to be that father. See, so it's, those questions and those variables that kicks in and i do feel like i love my son to death love him but my last my 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 recent son my youngest my youngest son adonis i went through that process of that the five month period way different and like boom he was born and then like for me my mind clicked into like it didn't click into like this is this is a a pure me it clicked into like okay i want to make sure he's healthy I want to make sure I want to follow. I followed him around the hospital. Like, I, I don't know why, but I followed him wherever he went. I went because yeah. it was like at that time, his mom, I'm like, I'm going to keep an eye on him. I know you, you go on, you got to get your stuff back, yeah. put into, into your stomachs and all that stuff. But it's like, Hey, I got to go and follow my son. So those dynamics and those variables really make me hear the relationship. And it makes me wonder how, how it can go. But, but that do make me, ask that main question of when you don't have that when you don't have that that you're not the oldest in the household and your parent one of one of the main pieces of the parents which is the same sex of your dad main one he he's he's out of the picture and then you turn around and you have a child and you don't know anything about this child until after it's born how does that even matches up with that father son that father and oldest son because 
you didn't come prepared for it. And then you yeah. don't have the example oh, yeah. to even look at it. You kind of going with, you kind of walking with the lights off in that tunnel and you just going and just hoping that there's a light at the end of that tunnel. First of all, great questions. Second of all, I'm going to tease and then we're going to end the episode and leave the listeners waiting for next week's episode. Yeah. So, oh, I need to know too. So I'm okay. waiting. So, so I'm, I'm going to say a couple things. I'm going to say a couple things and then we're going to mic drop it and walk away, leaving the iron still hot. Okay. So first and foremost, what you just described was your dad and the birth of your son, right? Aiden. They both have something very uniquely in common. They were both a shock. Yeah. Your dad's death was a surprise and your son's birth was a surprise. Losing life makes new life easier to understand. As you learn more about your dad and his death, it'll help you understand more about your son. But both of those can be what's called, what can create a trauma response. So a father in your situation, this is not guaranteed, but a father in your situation has a difficult hand dealt to him because a trauma response is just like you would think of when you hear of trauma. A trauma response is like, you have no idea, you're walking home from school, you're like getting a phone call and instantly, wham, something hits you. <laughs> the adrenaline of losing your dad and having your son, there is a connection there, without a doubt. And how that puts you in a certain mood and a certain response to things, you don't get to plan either of those emotions, those reactions out. So that's something we're going to talk about more in our next episode, but it's going to leave you and leave our listeners in a different place because this is what I really wanted OG therapy to be. I wanted guys to come on here and be like, all right, what you're saying makes sense, cause, but let me be real with you. Here's what I'm going through. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that can learn a whole lot more from someone saying, here's my situation. What do you think? And just in live real time, because there's a lot of things that we didn't even realize that there was a connection with all the years I went through therapy. I'd go into therapy someday. I go, I don't know what to talk about next thing. You know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like flashbacks of my childhood would start coming up. The second thing I want to share with you is that you have two oldest sons. If you have a son with two different women, you have one son that was a shock and a surprise. And you have one son that was planned, but they're both your firstborn son, two different times of your life. That actually is a whole different, unique relationship and dynamic in itself that we'll go into further in the next episode. So those will be the two topics in the next episode. But think about that from now until next time. We talk about trauma response. Both were a shock. Both were <gasps> like that. Just your brain doesn't have a chance to go, hmm, well, that's interesting information. My dad just got killed and murdered. Well, that's interesting information. So I'm about to be a father? There's no thought in it. It just, it just happened. And when that happens, it can create a lot of fight or flight, freeze, fold, um, befriend responses. We can talk about our next episode. These are very primitive responses. And a lot of parents out there are parenting in, I don't want to say it's a trauma response parenting, but they're parenting in a situation that does not allow, didn't give itself a moment to breathe. It just happened. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Based upon what I said, do you, do you think there might be a converse, a good conversation follow up is. after this? It is, might be emotional, but at least it's there. So yeah. Exactly. And that's what I said. That's what I, I love about these OG therapy episodes. The guys have been on here and been more real. 
our producer knows it. They, they always get emotional because the emotion is just real, man. The emotions are real. So thank you for, for bringing that up because that question, I wasn't planning on you asking that. But man, I knew we were going to do a second episode. I didn't know it was going to get that deep. So thank you for trusting me. Thank you to our listeners. And um, please come back for part two of this. We got to check the numbers on this. And thanks to you guys for paying attention to the podcast. Our listenership is getting back to what it used to be back when I first started Light the Fight with my old co-host Heidi. It's now definitely stepping a whole nother level. So that means you guys are sharing the podcast. You're watching it. Um, we still don't have a lot of people on YouTube, but I will figure that out in the future. We're just posting episodes on YouTube. Instagram, please follow us. And until next time, part two of Father Oldest Son Relationship, thank you for helping us to light the fire. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.